Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thank you for joining me today for Let's Get Moving. With me today is Tansy Bogan, who is an author and a nutritionist. She has written a number of books on the psychology of eating and our relationship with food. And today we want to talk about joyful eating, the practice of joyful eating. And I think... Mm -hmm. Most of us have realized right now that every big celebration that we have includes food. So obviously food brings joy to our lives. Absolutely. I think, um, as you say, like one, we have this social connection to food, whether it's, you know, using food to show love or to celebrate. Um, but I think also food, you know, naturally we we find joy in food. Um, you know, it, it's something that bonds us to our mother or our caregivers when we're first born and we're, we're being breastfed or bottle fed. And so I think we become afraid of that fear, but it's actually just very biological. It's, it's um, that joy is what causes us to seek out food and to seek out a variety of food. So it's a very innate um, behaviour that we have um, to find that joy in food. And that's very important for our biology. And uh, the other thing is, that, you know, when I talk about joy of, of eating as well, is that food is a sensory experience. It's a way for us to tap into the moment, to feel, you know, the taste, the touch, the texture, the colours, um, all those sorts of sensory experiences as well. And when we eat mindfully, we're actually being present in the moment. So, you know, getting out of our mind, that's thinking about the past or the future, and we can just be in the moment with food as well. So I think that's a really, it can be a way for us to feel enjoyment um, and some sort of form of connection as well when it comes to the social stuff. Right. I think what you're talking about is so important. I have found that throughout my lifetime, I'm a working mom. So <laughs> I was always so busy that meals were always rushed. Oftentimes they were the same things, whatever the kids would eat. But as I have gotten older, I am... I have become very bored with food. And so yeah. what I have done is gone in search of those, that variety of foods that you're talking about and really mm -hmm. noticing how much they change when I cook a different type of meal. I cooked a different type of vegetable soup this week with chickpeas and items that I don't normally put in soup. And I just notice how much more joy I experience when I find new favorites, new flavors to try. Absolutely. And when you think of being a child or a baby, like we love to experience new things and, you know, that curiosity of like new textures and taste. And so we we can get into a bit of a rut eating the same thing all of the time rather than having that, you know, joy and curiosity of something 
new or different, trying a different recipe or a new vegetable. Like one of the activities I have in the book is to go to the supermarket and find something that you don't normally eat and then come home and think, well, what do I do with this? And and try some different ways to prepare it. Um, and, you know, it's not something you have to do every single day, but just something to sort of increase that curiosity that we would have as a child, you know, when we're sort of fascinated and, you know, wanting to taste and how can we prepare, what flavours will go well with this? Could I do um, something a bit different? You know, um, I think we sort of sometimes lose that that sort of playfulness when it comes to food. Right. And I think part of it is our busy lives and stress mm. in our lives. And we don't want to add more stress by uh, telling folks, well, hey, you've got to be more creative with your food. So what is the best way to go about and and really add into your life this practice of joyful eating? Mm. I think that idea of stress is really important. Like it's not something new that we have to add into our life. Like we're already eating three, four, five times a day. So to me, it's it's almost like using eating as an opportunity to tune in. You know, you're going to be eating anyway. Um, and so we can actually use eating as a bit of a mindfulness activity. You know, it's an opportunity for us to be present, to acknowledge that I'm eating. So that's one thing that we can do to help reduce stress. Another thing I think is just, you know, there's no perfect way to eat. You know, I think we're often looking for you know how to eat or looking for new information or second guessing our choices um, should I be eating this or not eating this and creating stress there as well Um, or trying to create the perfect meal um, trying to get it right Um, so that second guessing that we have as as well so I think just letting go of you know trying to perfect our diet and just being more sort of playful and sometimes it's okay to have you know a grilled sandwich for dinner and other nights we might have a gourmet meal. And so it's sort of just working within our lifestyles as to what works and not guilting ourselves on those nights that we get takeaway or we have something really simple. And But then really relishing the moments that we can sort of sit down as a family and eat a meal and, you know, have joy and celebration and conversation and laughter and be fully present. So it's not something you have to do all of the time or feel like we're getting it wrong if you know, 80% of the time we can't sit and enjoy food, but really just taking the moments that we can throughout the week. How do you believe that our stress and our busy work lives or busy lives um, is really impacting our food choices? Mm. So it definitely impacts our food choices. It also impacts um, our ability to digest food, um, our eating behavior. So like you know, eating fast impacts our digestion. We're not sort of producing um, gastric juices and enzymes in order to break down that food it can sometimes come in late and so it can lead to a lot of gastrointestinal issues so that's sort of um, you know one thing um, and then I think with food choices you know the less sort of present we are and the more we're sort of listening to our body because obviously joyful eating is very much about being in the moment and tuning into our body and listening to what feels good to our body and what do we truly enjoy and I think when we're very stressed and busy we're not sort of taking that moment to tune in and, and think well what would feel good to my body or what are what is uh, eating does that actually feel good to me or am I just eating it because I think I should be eating it so I think sometimes our food choices become related to more so to external influences whether that's marketing advertising or whether it's you know a diet program 
um, that we sort of, you know, think, oh, well, I should be sort of following something like that. And so we're eating based more on external cues of what we should be eating or not eating rather than like listening to our own own body. So even just taking a moment to tune in and go, is this what I really want to be eating? Does this actually feel good to my body or am I just sort of stuffing it in thinking it's either good for me or I'm stressed and I can't be bothered and this is the, the easiest option for me? Um, so that sort of helps to influence our food choices a little bit. I'm wondering what role you believe social media has played in making us maybe uh, enjoy, you know, practice joyful eating more. Because I know that the more Instagram videos I watch of fun recipes, that's definitely changed my way of looking at food and given me actually some new, more creative ideas that I might want to implement. Mm. Definitely. I think there's some there's some positives and negatives with social media. And like, as you say, the, ne- the positives, and it, obviously it depends on what we expose ourselves to. But yeah, there's lots of creative ideas and inspiration, um, you know, different combinations or cultural dishes that we can find on, on social media. If, if, you know, if we're looking at sort of cooking um, sites and things like that. But there's also the influence, obviously, of dieting as, as well, which can impact... Um, our feelings of, you know, inadequacy, like is my dinner, does my dinner look as beautiful as it does on Instagram? And so sometimes I I have people that sort of say, well, I can't, you know, make a dish because I'll sort of fail or it won't look good enough. And so I think sometimes it can create this high expectation of what we should be creating, um, but also what is healthy or unhealthy. And so it can, you know, increase um, eating disorder behaviours as as well. So there's there's positives and negatives. So I think it's very much about exposing ourselves to things and thinking, is it just creating curiosity and inspiration or is it creating a feeling of inadequacy um, or, you know, imperfection? And so I think it's just sort of tuning into ourselves and, and what am I feeling when I see this social media feed? Right. And you bring up a good point about dieting. Um, mm-hmm. can we still be practicing joyful eating and dieting at the same time? I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, like I think, um, you know, dieting is essentially, you know, we're saying that outside of ourselves is, you know, the right way to eat. And so that now we're no longer tuning into ourselves and we're following some other protocol of eating. Um, and that sort of di- causes us to not listen to our own body and honor you know our own hunger and fullness cues or how our body's responding to food and you know we might be hungry sometimes we may be less hungry sometimes we might have a desire for a certain food and so dieting just causes us to sort of I suppose you know go down this line of what we think we should be doing um, and then obviously a lot of diets involve restriction um, and deprivation which leads us to sort of obsess about food. And, and that's something that a lot of people say is they, they fear this idea of joyful eating because they think, you know, I already enjoy food too much. I eat too much. Um, you know, if someone gave me permission to eat, I would just eat everything and anything. Um, and that's that's potentially how someone might feel. But that is often created by this the restriction and the deprivation of diets that leads to to that obsession about food and the constant thinking about food. Um, and then when you, you know, when we allow ourselves to eat something that we perceive as bad, we might just end up eating a lot of that food. Um, and so then we, we internalise that as something wrong with, 
with me and I need to follow this diet perfectly and um, you know, my problem is that I enjoy food too much. But I'd say it's the opposite that's the problem is we're not allowing ourselves to really enjoy food as you sit down um, and, you know, relish every mouthful and to really feel into that and, you know, like say if someone thinks they, you know, overeat a particular food, like are they eating that mindfully and really enjoying every mouthful? Because um, often, you know, we'll just eat mindlessly or, you know, to numb out or to feel something. Um, and we're not, it's not the enjoyment of that food. It's it's something else that we're we're trying to get from food. So what I hear you saying is we would just be eating healthier if we would just be more mindful. Yes, definitely. I think we just eat a variety of foods. Um, and that's, you know, that idea of even healthy, you know, like having some cookies and chips occasionally is is part of a balanced diet and we hear you know dietitians nutritionists talking about this all this time all the time about this idea of balance and that we can have certain foods in a balanced diet and the, and I think the way to really achieve that is to be mindful and to allow ourselves to have that cookie and then you know being really mindful of how does it feel just in really enjoying it because we sort of find that you know if we really enjoy the cookie we're not then craving more cookies. We've really like experienced eating that cookie and really enjoyed it. And then it's like, what does my body want now? What's the next thing I want? When, when we're really mindful, we might find, oh, actually, I want things that's fresh or juicy or, um, you know, crunchy lettuce or, you know, so tuning into that. And I think, you know, our bodies innately know what they want. We've just um, desensitized a lot of those messages that our body sends us. And, you know, unfortunately, that's many, many years of diet um, culture that we've been exposed to and food rules that we've imposed on about on ourselves that can take time to, to sort of get to that intuitive balance place with eating two years ago americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the kabul airport there's desperation and anguish more than eighty thousand afghans have since arrived in america but this story is still unfolding I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Right. We we have come up with this term, uh, comfort food. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that comfort food is different probably for all of us, depending on how we were raised. But mm-hmm. what what is the role of comfort food in joyful eating, in the practice of joyful eating? Yeah, so I think, you know, comfort in food is a completely normal thing. And as you say, we, we all experience it, not conscious. It may be an unconscious thing that we, you know, we're drawn to a certain food when we're feeling proud or we're feeling unwell. Um, and that's really normal that we create this sort of, we have a positive experience and this positive emotion that then gets attached to a certain food. Just say we, we've been sick and we've had chicken soup. Um, you know, when we get older, we might find, you know, that chicken soup is something we, we're drawn to and we're wanting to feel comforted and we're wanting to feel loved. Um, and, you know, I meet people in that 70s and 80s who is a certain food that you can, that triggers this memory of their, their parents, for example. So that's a completely normal thing. And, you know, we have that comforting association with all sorts of foods, um, healthy or unhealthy. Um, and it can only, it, it, and I suppose 
part of the problem is, is that we think it's a problem. You know, we think comfort eating is bad and I shouldn't be doing it. The first thing is saying, you know, it, it's okay and it's 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 normal. Um, and really the problem is more so when we sort of deprive ourselves and try to control that. And I think, um, you know, a lot of our comfort eating, it's more when it becomes our only way to soothe ourselves or to give ourselves self-care or feel love or connection when food becomes the only way for us to achieve that when it's the only way for us to feel connected to other humans is by eating um, that's when it can become a problem um, for certain people and something that we need to look at you know other ways to deal with our emotions um, and to work through things most of us don't eat just to sustain ourselves. And we kind of talked about that at the beginning when we were talking about celebrations. But what is it about food that just makes us so happy or improves or impacts our mood? So there's lots of different things. I think, um, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's science and people talk about, you know, different foods that, that do impact mood. And I think, you know, there's, there's definitely science there and, and there's definitely foods that can help improve mood. But I think actually... Most of the foods we're drawn to, you know, to improve our mood aren't necessarily associated with the nutrients. It's more to do with the memories, um, the, the positive experiences we've had associated with those foods, um, the experience of eating them, you know, think of ice cream at the beach. You know, there's just so many memories that come with that or the idea of, you know, um, sunsets or, you know, being at the beach in the sun and, um, you know, dripping ice cream. And so there's just so much joy that sort of comes into that. Um, and the other thing, you know, that we talk about, you know, that's, I suppose, mentioned in a negative way is the way that food lights up pleasure centres in our brain. And we talk about, well, that's often talked about in a negative way that, you know, like sugar lights up areas in your brain in the same way that cocaine and does and this is sort of talked about in a negative way but you know it's a positive thing that's you know our our brain is lit up by eating food because it's telling us yes food's a good thing food's something we want to source out and our, you know those centers in our brain are also lit up when we watch a sunset or when we have a cuddle or um, you know we make love so it's not a it's not a negative thing and it's actually a you know very positive um, survival mechanism that our body has has created. So, you know, enjoyment of, of food is a really natural uh, thing. I think many of us have been brainwashed about what's good and bad and what we should eat and what we shouldn't be eating. Uh, how, how do we almost start over? I mean, I almost want to race and change the way we think about food altogether. <laughs> I know it, it is a lot like that. I, I think some of it is um, you know, we can have some guidelines. Like, I, I definitely think like government guidelines can sort of be helpful in terms of okay, I need some, you know, this amount of carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Um, but really, you know, there's no perfect diet. So as long as we're getting the the basics of what we need, we're getting the vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, proteins. Um, there's just so many different ways that we can eat. So I think the thing is, it's just learning to tune in and to our bodies and learning to trust our bodies and obviously that's that can be a hard thing and that's where guidelines you know basic guidelines can be used more in a curious way like how does it feel to my body if I have a high carbohydrate breakfast versus a high protein breakfast and sort of just you know tuning into that and feeling into that for ourselves rather than you know trying to 
follow a rule that says, you know, I should have a high fat breakfast or a high protein breakfast. So just trying to let go of those rules and tune into our own body. But we can use that, some of that information to sort of guide us and to explore what, you know, what feels right for ourselves. I've really found myself stopping and thinking about things that I'm eating and why I'm eating them. So, for example, Mm -hmm. um, yesterday here at the radio station, uh, we had a food truck and um, I forgot my lunch, which is always a bad thing, Uh, but (laughs) in my opinion. uh, And so I ordered um, these fully loaded fries and because that's what I wanted because I was starving. And, And after eating... Oh, you know, three or four mouthfuls, maybe five. I thought to myself, well, that's okay. That's enough. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, don't eat the rest of them. You don't want the rest of them. And I thought, you know what? Would would someone else like these fries? And I gave them to them. But, But that's just a new practice that I've started because I think sometimes just a couple of bites of something that might not be the healthiest thing, but that's something that you want. If you have those bites and just eat until you really feel like, you know, that was enough um, that that we're going back to what you were talking about, listening to your body. Yeah. And right. That, en- that enjoyment, like it's like I really wanted to have fries and, you know, like that sensory experience, like, like I, I felt that and obviously you were in tune with that experience and it's like I've got what I needed from them. I got that enjoyment, got that sensory experience that I was looking for. But if I keep eating them, I'm not really getting anything else that, you know, that enjoyment has sort of dissipated. And, you know, we do find that with food. If we're eating a lot of one type of food, you know, the enjoyment that we get from it is in those first few moments and then it starts to dissipate. And that's why eating a variety of foods, so you know, having a plate with lots of different types of foods, textures, um, creates more joy because we are biologically um, tuned into um, that sort of first few moments of eating a food. And so, yeah, a lot of foods just get a bit boring, but we keep eating them because we think we should, you know, finish everything on your plate or, you know, you've paid for it so you don't want to waste it or it's bad and, you know, I just want to eat it all because I want to be rebellious. And so um, it's being aware of the reasons that we keep eating. Like is it is it enjoyment or is it all these other potential reasons that we've kept eating Right. I think boredom is a terrible reason to eat. And I think oftentimes when we're a little bit nervous or stressed, uh, we nervous eat, which is probably my, like, I've really tried to be mindful of not doing that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. don't even know what you've eaten. It's just, you know. Yeah, it just goes in. And I find like nervous eating is something that I used to do. And, and you know, you just don't feel good because you're nervous and your digestion's not working 100%. And you barely even know, you don't even feel the food. <laughs> in your stomach and or or once you do feel it it doesn't feel great so um you know becoming aware of our reasons for eating like why am I eating this and am I enjoying it I think they they can be good questions to be asking ourselves you know when we go for food or you know like even the choice like why am I choosing this food is it an external rule is it that I'm wanting to just feel connection or love I'm feeling lonely you know, am I truly hungry? So, you know, sort of questions and each of us is going to be different as to what questions will really help us and what sort of behaviours we might have developed. But they can really just help us to just take a moment to think, am I hungry? Is this really what I'm wanting to eat? And am I eating because of something else? And is there something else I really need now, like human connection or um, some quiet time or some rest? You know, often we're going for food in the afternoon, um, you know, when we just 
what what our body's really asking for is you know a little bit of energy for example so maybe going outside and kicking our shoes off and standing on the grass or in the sunshine or having a cup of tea outdoors or talking to a friend or something that you know just lifts our energy maybe what we need rather than food mm-hmm. um, but we can sort of get into that habit of of reaching for food when our body's asking for something else I always like to leave uh, my listeners with a couple of things that they could, can do, some small changes that can really change their lives. So what would be your best advice if somebody wanted to start being more joyful about their eating and practicing joyful eating? How would they start? What, what would be a couple of tips that you would give them? Hmm. I think the first thing I would like to give everyone is permission to feel joy with food. Um, you know, we all have the right to enjoy food no matter the body we're in. And I think sometimes, you know, if we're, in a larger body or we're always struggling with health issues we can really get into a place that we don't think that we deserve to enjoy food and that's not true you know we all deserve to enjoy food and enjoyment in food is beneficial for us all and letting go of that stress and anxiety or guilt and shame has huge flow-on um, health effects so I think that's really important and looking at you know when does the guilt and shame arise when does the rules arise so I think the first thing is is to be mindful when we're eating, like just being fully present, so letting go of you know distractions, you know turning off the phone or TV or getting rid of a magazine or a newspaper in front of you, and just being present, even if it's for five minutes. I'm just present and aware that I'm eating. So so firstly, just turning off those distractions, tuning into the food that you're eating, and then you know start to notice some of the thoughts that might come up or the resistance that comes up, and it, as we said before, that that might help to generate some questions you could ask yourself before you eat and just having that question of, am I hungry? Is this what I really want? And am I enjoying this food? Is this bringing me joy, you know, while we're eating? Um, it's not just, you know, as we start, but halfway through and at the end of eating, you know, was this bringing me joy? Um, and sometimes, you know, we've eaten too much or, we don't feel good about we, what we've eaten. You know, rather than feeling guilt and shame, it's bringing some curiosity to that, like why did I eat like that? What was going on? Was there an emotional reason? Was there just a belief that I should eat everything on my plate and, and start to sort of notice the thoughts that come up and those sort of external rules that we've taken on board and now influence our, our eating. I love I love those ideas. Um is there anything that you would like to add, anything you'd like to leave us with that maybe I didn't uh, think to ask you? You know, I think the main thing is that permission, you know, just not to fear the enjoyment of food. I think, you know, food, the enjoyment of food is just normal and natural and, you know, something that we, you know, we all do. So I think just giving people permission to enjoy food. How can people find out more about you and read your what you've written? Um, yeah, so I have a website and blog, um, so joyfuleatingnutrition.com. Um, and so, yeah, some of the blogs there, you know, cover things like emotional eating um, and eating behavior, things like that. And there's links to my book, Joyful Eating. And I also have a novel, which is like a fictional version of my book, Joyful Eating. So it's actually a woman's journey sort of going through a lot of this stuff, like learning to mindfully eat and to ditch the scales and learn to listen to her own body. Um, so I wanted to write a book that was very accessible to people that may, you know, maybe just starting on this journey or may not even realise that they have some emotional connection to food or, or issues there, but just something that's light and easy to read to help people sort of 
ditch some of these beliefs they might have that are holding them back and believing that their weight is, is the issue. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for spending a half an hour with me here. No, all right. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been great. All right. Best wishes to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.